So how much more of this do we need to see before we decide Patrick Mahomes is greater than Tom Brady? Let's get into it on the Locked On NFL podcast. You are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, football fans? Welcome to the Locked On NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team each and every day. Thank you so much for making Locked On NFL your first listen of the day. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. It's Tuesday. That means you get me. Luke Braun at Luke Braun NFL. I'm here with Lauren Cox at Cox Sports One. He does Locked On Bears. And of course, we're still kind of reviewing some Super Bowl stuff. We've had a little bit of time to process, digest uh, the Chiefs winning, Patrick Mahomes winning his second one. And uh, I think we have to talk about where exactly his legacy is at right now and how close he is to eclipsing some of the other great legacies in NFL history. We'll also talk a little bit about just how the Chiefs managed to make that comeback and dominate the second half in the way that they did uh, and some of the other takeaways from the games about where the Chiefs are potentially as a dynasty, which they talked about yesterday. But we have our own thoughts that we maybe want to uh, get in there. But first, Lauren, let me just ask you point blank. How much more does Patrick Mahomes have to accomplish before he eclipses Tom Brady? Does he have to win five more Super Bowls? Like, is that the line? Or does he have to keep it up for five more years? I mean, what At what point do we say, okay, now this guy's the GOAT? Yeah, it feels to me like the conversation, when we think about it with Patrick Mahomes, it's always about projecting it forward, right? It's like, well, he's done this, you know, three Super Bowl appearances, two wins in really five seasons as a starter, six seasons in the NFL. So we sort of just project that out. Okay, you flip that another six seasons on the same pace. Like that's how we immediately get to that point. And yet I feel like with the Tom Brady discussion to me, like it's it's almost less about a specific number of Super Bowls and it's about the longevity of success of that high level of performance of understanding like just how special that player was for so long and that he could even still somehow come back. Like I was thinking earlier today, like, given how Mahomes has come back in these Super Bowls and in these games, it doesn't matter. It doesn't seem to matter whether he's down 21 or 10 or 14 at halftime. Like you always feel like Mahomes has a chance. It is going to be in this game until the final whistle actually hits always. zero. And, and it feels to me like Tom Brady is the only other quarterback in my lifetime that we've really felt that way about at all times. There are other great quarterbacks. Inevitability. Like, yeah. Like Peyton Manning didn't feel like, inevitable but like he was always going to be in there but like it wasn't the same kind of like oh he's going to do this like he's always going to win this game and you're stunned when he loses even when he's down two scores at halftime right like the the safest deficit in sports is the chiefs with a two score deficit that's like the most secure there's a great story from uh arif hassan who was at the game covering it for pro football network who Talk to me about it on uh, Minnesota Football Party, which everybody can. You've been on that show, Lauren. Uh, everybody can go listen to that. But uh, he was talking about like he was in the locker room, and a lot of the national reporters were asking Chiefs players, like, "Did you did you think you had a you know how, what made you think you had a chance or like what you know were, did you ever think it was hopeless or blah blah blah?" And the local Chiefs reporters like knew better, 
And the Chiefs players were like, what? We have never thought that in our lives. We have Patrick Mahomes. What are you talking about? We knew we were going to win the whole time. And it's just the way the Chiefs operate. I mean, the last time they won the Super Bowl, they came back from double di- from a two-score deficit in every game, if I'm not mistaken, uh, every playoff game. So, And they, they even engraved those scores on the ring, on the inside of their ring. Like, it's an identity. Um, and, you know, comparing Patrick Mahomes to Tom Brady, you're going to just naturally kind of lose some stuff in translation. Um, but for me, like, I guess we could probably agree on this. If Patrick Mahomes retired tomorrow, he's a Hall of Famer. Yes. Yeah, I think we can agree on that, right? So he's already in this kind of upper echelon where we get to start comparing him to the to the names of history. But to, to overcome Tom Brady, it's like, yeah, th- this is the pace you need to be on, and you just need to keep it up for long enough to make it feel like he did. And but I, I think right now the difference is just time because the mm-hmm. way Tom Brady did it, it it wrestled the AFC. You know, you and I cover NFC teams, so we could watch this from a distance, but it <laughs> wrestled the entire AFC into submission. Every single AFC team, with the exception of like maybe the Steelers and Chargers that had the same quarterback for 20 years, went through rebuilds and... um just like all sorts of iterations over those years. I mean, everybody had one rough time or other somewhere between the years 2000 and 2020 where they had to go, you know, win two games because they just fired a coach or uh, most of them had perfectly fine coaches for perfectly fine builds, but then they couldn't win the division. They couldn't win the conference. So they had to pack it in, especially the AFC East. And I think that we're going to see some of that stuff happen in the AFC West now with somebody like, uh, you know, with the Chargers, with with Brandon Staley. He could make the playoffs three years in a row. But if you don't win, the, if, if you're the coach for four years and you don't win the division, you're out. You know, like yeah. just the way the NFL works. And if you can't win the division because Patrick Mahomes is in the division, you're going to start hitting the reset button so often that you don't have anything to stand on. And like, that's where the jets find themselves. Um, that is what Tom Brady did. And that if Patrick Mahomes keeps up what he is doing, and I don't really see a reason why we wouldn't project that outside of some catastrophic injury or some unforeseen act of God. But if he can keep that up and become that force in the AFC again, and then, you know, teams that look like they're kind of on the up and up, like the the Bengals or the Bills or the Dolphins, like teams in reasonable spots end up abandoning that because they just can't beat the Chiefs. Like that's the world where I go, okay, this guy is now the on that same level. I think that's the piece the of of legacy that we're missing. And I, I think what's so interesting to me about this for Mahomes is that he's guaranteed to be tested in some ways that will ultimately be his path towards being on Tom Brady's level, because how many more years of Andy Reid do you think he's going to have? You know, Holmes' career will last longer than Reid's career, presumably. So he's going to have to, at some point, do it with a different coach, maybe from the same system, but with a different coach. And how many more years of Travis Kelsey is he going to have? Kelsey's 33. Maybe he's still going to get a handful of years in there, but he's likely going to lose the one target that he's had consistently through his whole career. He got, he overcame the the hill thing, but, has had Kelsey the whole time, may lose Kelsey and will have to overcome that, may lose Andy Reid at some point and will have to overcome that. And if he can continue to produce and win at the same rate, despite the coach and the weapons all changing around him, like that is the test that if you pass that, you're Tom Brady level. And to that point, 
they did lose Tyree Kill this year, and yeah. the offense did kind of undergo a metamorphosis and did not miss a beat, like didn't miss any momentum at all and became a really different kind. They went from a down from a, a downfield. We've got all the fast guy speedster thing to now we have Kadarius Tony and we dump it off to him and we find opportunities for him that are quality, like after catch opportunities. Um, you know, when they, when they got him in the middle of the season and, you know, same deal with Juju Smith Schuster and Travis Kelsey's kind of good at both of those types of offenses. So they, they did survive one big metamorphosis and I think that makes me optimistic that I think they will be able to do it. I, the big one will like when Travis Kelsey leaves, they'll be able to find a way to do this without, you know, the best tight end in the league. Um, I, I will be curious to see how things go when Andy Reed does eventually retire. Did they just promote B enemy? Can B enemy well, do the Matt same Nagy, thing here? Matt Nagy promoted the oh, head coach gets his second boy. chance. Patrick Mahomes. Watch out. <laughs> His Pete Carroll era. We, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, second year, second time head coaches. I was a big fan of it last year when I was covering the uh, the Vikings head coach search. I thought, hey, look, nobody's nobody's the best they're ever going to be at something the first time they do it, right? Um, so I, I would wouldn't count it out to be yeah. sure, especially you know, it's a different world when you give them the Chiefs roster than whatever was remained of the bears over the last few years. Andy Reid was a second time head coach when he came to Kansas city. So exactly. Right. Doug Peterson, second time head coach wills the Jaguars from hell into the playoffs and wins a game. How about that? Um, Bill Belichick. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. Bill Belichick had his Browns thing. Yes. (laughs) Oh man. Uh, So, I guess we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves a little bit because I do want to talk about the Chiefs as a possible dynasty and maybe get a little more granular about the game itself uh, and how the Chiefs managed to win that game. So we'll get into that in just a moment. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. When you're at your best, you can do great things like Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl, but sometimes life gets you bogged down and you may feel a little overwhelmed or just feel like you're not showing up in the way that you want to. But working with a therapist can help you get closer to the best version of you because when you feel empowered, you're more prepared to take on everything life throws at you. And that's what our friends at BetterHelp are here to help you with. BetterHelp therapy is available online, remotely, from the comfort of your own home. No commute, no waiting in, an, in like a waiting room, waiting in like at the doctor's office or, try to, or any kind of paperwork like that, all from the comfort of your own home. I always like to say, just like you go to the gym to take care of your body, you go to therapy to help take care of your mind. Not because you're in a crisis or because things are totally falling apart and you need some sort of lifeline, but just because it's good for you. So if you've been thinking about giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is going to be a great option. It's convenient, it's flexible, and it's affordable. If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on. Thanks again for making Locked On NFL your first listen of the day each and every day. Um, they Go listen to yesterday's show as well. Obviously, that's going to be a more um, official recap. They talked to Locked On Eagles, Locked On Chiefs um get the the local perspective but now that we've had a moment to digest the game and people are starting to look at the tape and we've got some of the more advanced stuff 
I think this game, the second half of this game is the one that goes down in memory because it's the one, you know, because the, the Chiefs made the comeback, of course. Um, so, Lauren, how'd they do it? <laughs> well, it, you know, it strikes me that, you know, when you go into halftime down 10 with Patrick Mahomes on an ankle injury, right? That was when the sky was falling the most. And when you felt like, what is this team going to do? I'm sure, I think the betting odds at FanDuel, live odds at FanDuel flipped even more like, pro Eagles there. And some people that bet at halftime had some, some, some big cash in as a result of that. Yeah. But like they come out in that second half and they run the ball, the first three plays and kind of get that line of scrimmage movement. It was a seven yard gain to Pacheco a two yard to Pacheco and then a 14 yarder by McKinnon. And it really sort of set that tone. I think of the chiefs offensive line tired of getting kicked in the mouth a little bit in that first half and feeling like they couldn't convert some of those key third downs. I think they were over three on third down in the first half. They slowed things down a little bit, took some of the pressure off of Patrick Mahomes, and they they were kind of more of a running team. You look at their production, uh, they had more rushing yards in the second half than passing yards, and they were averaging a good, you know, five-plus yards per carry. They, they certainly got a lot of help from uh, from the punt return as well, getting them in, in scoring range. But, like, all we think about is the passing touchdowns that Patrick Mahomes threw in that game, but... He had their longest play of the game rushing that scrambled down the middle of the field in the fourth quarter when we thought the ankle would keep him from being a mobile quarterback. To me, on that play, he really looked like Forrest Gump, like breaking out of the the the, ca- the cast on his feet. Like every step, his ankle seemed to get a little bit stronger, and it was run it's like running Hunt. it off in real time. In real time, exactly. And and so like that that was their longest offensive play of the game. It was a twenty four yard scramble from Mahomes, and their second longest play of the game, or that was twenty six. Their second longest play of the game was Pacheco going for twenty four yards you know, earlier in that game. And it just seems like they were able to make the running game, like do a lot of the dirty work for Mahomes for them. Then they get in the red zone. And it's beautiful play calling by Reed and, and the enemy to get the motion going to get wide open throws from Mahomes. But it wasn't like these miraculous throw after throw after throw from Mahomes. It was just them executing at a perfection, not only in the passing game, but also really moving the line of scrimmage and getting the downhill running game going. Yeah, we were talking before the show about like it was kind of going into the game. It was well, the Eagles are a more complete team, and but the Chiefs have Mahomes. But is but Mahomes was hobbled, and I even said like, you know, there were more question marks surrounding the Chiefs. Can this unit hold up? You know, can that O line hold up and stuff? And they answered all those questions um, to the affirmative, which is how they won. But I think what's so interesting is the Chiefs game really came down to the rest of their team doing what it needed to do in at like in matchups where they did not have the advantage. You needed rookies to keep up with AJ Brown and Devonte Smith down the stretch. Um, or at least, you know, hold their own. You needed a, a, an offensive line that has had some ups and downs. We'll say over the season to to stand up to one of the most electrifying front sevens in football that was on a heater. I mean, the way that they dismantled San Francisco in the NFC championship. I mean, that's a scary unit for those guys. And then they went out, not only did they, you know, fight it to a stalemate, which has the O-line, if it's a stalemate, you won, but they pushed him around and winning that game in the trenches. I mean, the Eagles in the trenches were horrifying. And that that's a, a, a buzzsaw in the trenches. Absolutely terrifying team. And for the Chiefs to outduel that, that's not Mahomes. That's the Chiefs doing enough to enable Mahomes to do what he has to do. Um, and I think, you know, if you look at Super Bowl 55 against Tampa, they didn't do that. Mahomes, and Mahomes scored nine points. 
Um, if you look at, you know, the AFC championship losses that the chiefs have had, you've got like, it was, it wasn't, it was somebody else failed and not enough people failed Mahomes, So Mahomes could do it. And that's a nice place to be with the chiefs is all you have to do is say, okay, just don't be the guy who screwed this up and you can be the guy who won. Um, but I, I think for all of this talk about Patrick Mahomes' legacy, I don't want to forget about guys like Jarek McKinnon or Nick Bolton um, that had really, truly fantastic games. Um, he's the most electrifying player in the league, but that doesn't make it any less of a team sport. It makes it sound like you're calling Patrick Mahomes a game manager in this one. Like, I, I, I feel like we're, we're, I mean, we're <laughs> getting there, right? Because, like, I was... Well, I, like, with, I, with his ankle, he kind of had to be. Exactly. It's not I, the, I fully healthy Mahomes, of course. But also, if, if people who know me, game manager is not an insult when it comes from me. That, a Tom Brady was a game manager. For sure. It, it, game managing can work. <laughs> yeah, this should not be viewed as, like, a general analysis of Patrick Mahomes overall as a player, but given his actual physical limitations, like you look, I was looking into some of the the PFF numbers, not that it's the end all be all, but like they gave him one big time throw, like their highest graded throws. He had one like big time throw in this game and and no turnover where he plays, but it wasn't like it was these five Patrick Mahomes dimes downfield that carried them into this game. I mean, his average depth of target on his throws was 6.1 yards past the line of scrimmage. Like it, it was a little bit more, game manager E by necessity in some part because of the ankle, but also because they could run the ball well because the punt return from Kadarius Tony got them set up with an easy red zone play. And also because the, the play calling in those red zone, those two touchdowns and then Travis Kelsey, like all three of Mahomes' touchdowns were, were pretty well wide open. Not that they're all easy passes, the Kelsey one, but like it wasn't Mahomes hero ball. It was Mahomes doing what he needed to do to get the job done. And it's why you've heard some people say maybe Jalen Hurts still should have got the MVP for losing because he had to do more individually to mm-hmm. get his team where it was. Whereas in a weird way, to your point at the beginning, like the Eagles had the better supporting cast and yet Mahomes was able to rely more on his supporting cast. And that's such a, I think it's such a different narrative than what we're hearing about a, a lot it's, of the other talk about the game. Right. It's different than what we thought we were getting going in. Which I think is really cool. Chiefs fans should feel great about that because you did not have 100% of Patrick Mahomes. He had a high... That is an injury that's supposed to knock people out for two months. Like, this is not... He had a little tweak and and, oops, it's a boo-boo. Like, that's unhinged to play off on a high ankle sprain to play in the Super Bowl and win it. Like, that's a legacy moment. But you can't get that, I think, on your own with, with nothing around you. And those other Chiefs definitely deserve that credit to your point about the running game and the defense. And then on the flip side, um, to say something about the Eagles, they really found a communication issue in the Eagles. There was not a lot wrong with the Eagles, but they found like the one thing and hammered it um, with those two goal line plays that looked almost identical uh, that just caused that same defensive miscommunication. And I, I want to say it was Ted Wynn of the athletic went back and and found an example of the Jaguars doing this to the Eagles back in week four. And Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, they found the secret and they they kind of found the key and you know, that, that all works out too. But I guess that leads me to the kind of greater extrapolation of this, which is, are the chiefs a dynasty? We talked about it. um, You heard about it on the Monday show here on locked on NFL. Um, but we have our own thoughts. So let's uh, inundate you with more Chiefs Dynasty talk on the Locked On NFL podcast coming up. 
This episode of Lockdown NFL is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar, the makers of the world's best tasting protein bars. They are a delicious treat without any of the guilt and without any of the kind of just uneasy feeling that regular sweets and treats will sometimes leave. You know, you get all that sugar and all that fat and all those calories and you just kind of feel like crap, even though it tasted really good. Well, Built Bar gives you the best of both both worlds because every Built Bar is soft, easy to chew, covered in 100% real chocolate, but also low sugar, low calories, high fiber, and high protein. We're talking 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and 17 grams of protein all loaded in there. It really does taste like a candy bar, but it has all the nutrients of a protein bar. And it comes in a bunch of delicious flavors. You can see them all at built.com, but now you can also get them in person at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. You don't have to wait around for the box to show up at your house. You can go get it yourself. Head to your nearest Walmart today. You can walk over to that pharmacy section and you grab yourself a box of Built Bars. They've got four bar boxes of cookies and cream, which I have in my pantry right now, which I love one of my favorite flavors, double chocolate or coconut puffs all at Walmart. Or if you're near a Sam's Club, you can run in and grab a 13 bar box with some of their hit flavors, brownie batter and churro. I also have brownie batter in my pantry right now. There's a reason why nice. you put those flavors in those stores. They are absolutely delicious. You got to try them for yourself. Trust me, you will thank us later. Built Bars are the better tasting protein bar. Moving on with this Locked On NFL podcast Tuesday episode. Um, a real quick note as we're as the day goes on here, it has been reported by Ian Rappaport that the Raiders will release Derek Carr. Uh, it hasn't happened officially yet, so we'll kick that one over to James and Tony. They can talk to you about it tomorrow. For now, let's keep talking about the Chiefs and we'll get real esoteric here. Lauren, you have thoughts on the Chiefs as a dynasty. What does it mean to be a dynasty and are the Chiefs one? Yeah, right. It's like we think of dynasty only in terms of, of who won the actual results of these games. And by no means do I think like the, all of a sudden like the Chiefs aren't good or like aren't a team that is going to be a contender for a very long time. But when we think about this idea of a dynasty, it's about sustained success and winning Super Bowls. And, and I can't help but feel like you look at this Eagles Chiefs game and how close these two teams were. I mean, everybody went to this game saying, yes, these are the two best teams in the NFL. And everyone is able to admit like, yeah, one team won by three, but you play this Super Bowl over 10 times and you might have five Chiefs wins and five Eagles wins. I mean, they're, they're always to be within three points and you feel like maybe if if Jalen Hurts doesn't have kind of a fluke fumble that's kind of a fluke return for a touchdown that puts seven more points on the board for the Chiefs do the do the Eagles win this game you know does that one play completely change the final outcome of this game a lot of people point to the the holding penalty uh, on James Bradbury uh, in, over in the red zone there I'm a little less convinced that that one play changes the entire outcome of the game but you know if the if the Chiefs are stopped on that third down and it's not called and they kick the field goal. Then earlier on the clock hurts would have had more time to try and drive down and either send it in overtime or try and win that game. So there's a chance that if that holding penalty isn't called that the Eagles at least get another shot at trying to make this a ball game. And if this team is one play here or one play there away from losing that Super Bowl, I mean, I think if they lose this game by that one play, we're not having that chiefs dynasty conversation. So then how legitimate of a dynasty is it if we're one play away from them being a team that's lost two Super Bowls and maybe can't finish in the big games, can't can't really put them away, always comes up short when the moment's the most in the Super Bowl. This is a team, you know, they just have that one win 
what, four years ago now and have lost would then be like two straight. Right. Now we're talking about do they choke or whatever. Yeah. And we're talking about the Eagles and Jalen Hurts is like, oh, they found something here. And can they keep this success up? They, and is this organization with Roseman like able to just keep things rolling? It's it's that fine of a line here that makes it feel like it's a little bit less like dominant dynasty. Like the Patriots just lit teams up. Just bring us back to Tom Brady. Like they were the better team all season. They go to the Super Bowl. And with the exception of Eli Manning, they were pretty well in control for a lot of those games. It's interesting because I think that is the case for the Patriots is the early part of the Patriots, the the young Tom Brady Super Bowls. Each one they won by three points. Those were all heaters of games. Those were all close. And yeah, you could probably pick one or two plays in each of them, overturn those. And now Tom Brady has a monkey on his back the whole time until he wins it in what, 2014. Um, and, and the whole narrative changes. And, and I think that's part of what makes the NFL beautiful is that it is a game of inches, that it is a game that the legacies are, are won and lost on, on, on coin flips and odd bounces. And, uh, you know, was this, was Kenneth Gainwell in or not, you know, um, tiny little things on the margins swing disproportionate amounts of glory. And I, that's what the, makes the sport popular because it's it makes it so dramatic and fun to watch the way i see this if if we're going to talk about what a dynasty is and yeah i i think we shouldn't limit dynasties to just did you win consecutive super bowls because then there's like three ever right um but i think a better litmus test for me is are you the force in the conference that the rest of the conference goes through. And right now the Chiefs absolutely are. You look at the way Bills fans are talking to go, we have to figure out how to beat the Chiefs. Bengals fans, we have to figure out how to beat the Chiefs. Um, you know, every team that feels like it has a future, the Ravens, we got to fi- but but we got to figure out how to beat the Chiefs, you know? It, it they're the ones with the target on their back and that was the way the Patriots were for 20 years. And now the the torch has been passed and now that's the Chiefs in the AFC. And it's interesting because the NFC has never really had that sort of sustained force. There have been incredibly elite teams to go through the NFC. I think these Eagles were one of them, um, but it's never the same. You know, it, next year, the, the Eagles might not even win the division. Maybe the Cowboys figure out how to, right? Like that's um, that, that force just doesn't exist. Yeah. But if you're, if you're a fan of an AFC team, you are going to compare everything you do this off season to the possibility of how it affects a playoff game against specifically the Chiefs. That's a dynasty. That is ruling the conference. You are king, and and everybody is trying to dethrone you. Uh, and I think that would be the case whether they won these games or not. You go to five consecutive, you host five consecutive AFC championships, one seed, five years in a row, I think, right? Unless there was a, a two seed where they did it once. Oh, yeah, no, they weren't the one seed in uh, last year in 2021 because it was the Titans. But still, hosting five consecutive AFC championship games, that the, the conference is in your grip and it is up to somebody else to take it away. It just feels so weird to me that, you know, the Chiefs were down double digits in both of their Super Bowls in the second half and came back and won them. And, and nobody was like, wow, that's the most surprising thing. Everybody was like, well, it is Mahomes. Like, this could absolutely yeah. happen. <laughs> Which maybe is honestly an argument in favor of their dynasty, that they are just unkillable in that way. Like, I quick yes. glanced through some of those old Tom Brady Super Bowls, and you're right. They were all three points or less. But, you know, the Patriots led in a lot of, like, 
we were never down double digits. Right. They were occasionally down one or two in the second half, but like the Patriots controlled that game, let teams back, and then ultimately finished those games on top. And that felt a little bit more like, you know, you can throw your punch at us and we'll take your punch and then we'll punch you right back and win that game. As opposed to like, you beat the Chiefs up for three rounds of this boxing match and then they just keep getting back up and they finally find the second wind and, you know, railroad you down through the end of the game. And it's just, it, it, maybe that maybe that does speak to their dynastic ability there to just never die. They're the, they're sort of these zombies of the AFC East that right, even they never die in the head, they're just going to regrow their head and be ready to go. Even if they lose, you know, they're missing their Tyree kill that that arm is blown off and they're still fighting you through and Patrick Mahomes literal ankle feels like it's dangling off his foot. And he's still, you know, zombie walking his way down the field, rushing for 26 <laughs> yards to get you to a score. Like that's, you cannot kill this team. And maybe that's, maybe that is what makes them more of a dynasty. Even if it's just a different kind of dynasty, they're just undead. Yeah. They're, not, they're not ruling. Right. And, and I think that way to look at it will help prevent you from getting too wrapped up in overreacting to things that happen on the margins. Because if, if the Eagles did win that game, um, you know, take away the Jalen Hurts fumble, and then suddenly, you know, that's the difference, right? Then I don't think that that singular overturn would be enough to change, should be enough to change the way you feel about the Chiefs. Like, that's just, like, on, on the overall, what is the legacy of the Chiefs? One play shouldn't do it, right? And yeah. I think thinking about it that way prevents you from kind of falling into that trap. Um but what I hope is, I mean, I, I am down to see the Chiefs in a lot more Super Bowls if that's the case. They're a very entertaining team. And again, I, I root for an NFC team, so I don't need to worry about this <laughs> as much, right? So I'm down to see them in Super Bowls because it's it's a pretty entertaining game every time. Um, but it really does feel like the, the AFC, there is this nihilism, this like, well, what nothing matters. The Chiefs are just going to win it. Like, <laughs> you know, what, what does it matter? Anything we do, because the Chiefs are 13 and two right now, and they just came back from a three score deficit effortlessly. Why, why do we try doing anything? <laughs> it's so interesting. They have such a grip on the AFC. I agree. And yet somehow they come into the Super Bowl as underdogs to the Philadelphia Eagles, like despite everyone. In I the would AFC. still say rightfully so with yeah. with Holmes <laughs> being hurt and the way the Eagles were playing. I mean, not huge underdogs like it was close, but I still think that was absolutely the right line. So, so why is it that every AFC team fears them and knows there's just this dread of they're going to win, and yet the Eagles don't, despite, you know, just because I mean, they're not yeah. the same as them? You know, like, I think I, the Eagles would have been the one seed in the AFC, too. If you swapped the Eagles and Chiefs, I think the Eagles would have, we would have had the same exact Super Bowl matchup. Um, and I think they were the only team that, would, that the Chiefs would be underdogs to in the whole league. So it feels like it's, it's, it's a dynasty in the conference, but is it a dynasty in the league? Like if the NFC isn't as scared of the, of the chiefs as the AFC is like that. I, I, I wonder how, where we draw that line of like league dynasty versus like conference. Cause I, I, I agree with you that they are the team that everyone in the AFC gets in line behind at all times. And yet, you know, the 49ers a couple years ago and, and you know, the, the Rams and now the, the, the Eagles all kind of get in there and say like, no, we can, we can beat this team. Like we're not, we're not scared of this dynasty. And one of those teams did beat them and the Eagles certainly came really close. Yeah. I, I don't know if you can have, I don't know if it's possible to have like a league dynasty in the same well, way because you know, like everyone, well, even them, you, we never thought Eli Manning was going to beat him either. Even after doing it once, we weren't like, Oh, he can't, he can't do it again. Like that oh, was, yeah. And, and those were not elite teams. Those giants teams, those were rightfully underdogs, but it's like, it's hard. Cause 
to do that, you have to overreact to a small sample size because you have yeah. to overreact to only Super Bowls. So mm. when we're saying that about the Patriots, we're judging it on nine games or eight games. Something like that. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Eight eight with the Patriots, nine Tom Brady. Um, and it's like, well, eight games isn't enough to really make that call. And so it feels, it feels harder to do that, but I guess you could do that. Um, that said, Chiefs are two and one now. Yeah, that's what matters. At the end of the yep. at the end of the day, that's what people will remember a decade from now. The same way we we're looking back mm-hmm. at those Patriots teams and just saying, "Well, when how did they lose?" The Panthers people? were, and how close the Rams were in two thousand one, and the Eagles in two thousand four. Like, um, oh no, it was nine because it was six wins and then two losses to the Giants and then the Eagles in Super Bowl fifty two. So it was nine. That's doing that off the dome. Uh, <laughs> many Super tomorrow. Bowl. Yeah, <laughs> I got it memorized. I got my flashcards here. Uh, tomorrow, Tony and James will pick you up and uh, probably have some interesting things to say about Derek Carr and maybe Aaron Rodgers, the Jets. There's all kinds of weird quarterback stuff going on, and some of it might play itself out in the news before the league year even turns over. So make sure you stay tuned. It is not going to be a quiet February. For Lauren Cox, I am Luke Braun. Thanks for listening to the Locked On NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.